going to have two amazing men of God, and I'm very excited about today's podcast. We're going to dive into some amazing issues that really uh, are timely, and I feel like uh, it, you know God is wanting to us to, to address these in the body of Christ. Uh, I've always uh, you know been under leadership that have had a heart for unity, and I know Shane Eidelman, who's one of the guests today, he's a pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship. He has a heart for unity as well. And we have Sean Foyt on the line today. And Sean just ran for Congress in California. He's an amazing worship leader. He's got several albums out there. And so Sean and Shane, welcome to the program. Good to be here. Thank you. It's, it's an honor to have you both. You're, you're both amazing men of God that I follow uh, consistently, and I love the stuff that you're doing out there. And so, uh, Pastor Shane, I'm going to uh, let you kind of start it here. I know there's been something on your heart. Uh, you've seen as a pastor that... People are, even in the people that have been in your congregation, people in the body of Christ, that have kind of given you some feedback when it comes to worship lately. And uh, why don't you uh, go into that a little bit further and let people yeah, know. Absolutely. And I think where it all started is I met Sean and his wife at the border. We did a, a tour of the border and I said, hey, this guy, you know, it, with kindred spirits, because uh, I've never really got to talk to someone from, from Bethel and ask, you know, some of the questions that are out there. Um, and we actually, yeah, not in our congregation necessarily, there's a few people, uh, but overall, uh, you know, we listen to, to the music and, and uh, just, you know, we worship with it. But there are a lot of questions out there. There's YouTube videos out there and, and um, controversy. And so I, I asked Sean, hey, would you want to talk about some of these things? I mean, obviously, we can't answer for, you know, we can't answer for Bill Johnson for, you know, certain things. But I can ask Sean, you know, as a worship leader from Bethel, you know, like even the number one question I asked him you know, was, was uh, one of the questions, the big one is, was Jesus God uh, here on earth? Uh, and the reason why these questions are important is because the, the, the main question is, how can churches play music that come from, and they would say, a cult or heretical or false prophets and all this, this stuff, you know? And, and so you don't know where to look. You don't know who to listen to. I've seen, I've heard so many inconsistencies from people, uh, I know the grave sucking was really, you know, weird because Bill said, no, we don't believe in that. We don't teach it. Um, so, but people still hold on to that. So I just kind of wanted to just talk to Sean here, his heart uh, from a theological perspective and leading worship at Bethel. Um, and I mean, maybe we could start with that. If that's okay with you guys. You know what, Sean, what would be your thoughts on that? The main question that people are asking that, that, uh, you know, Bill or Bethel believes that Jesus was not God here on earth. Well, first of all, I want to say I love this conversation. So grateful you guys are having me on. I love that you're in the middle of Manhattan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a clear night right now for you. Yeah, it's a nice, <laughs> it's a nice night out. Uh, you know, no bugs. It's pretty amazing what's going on. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I've been wanting to have this conversation, and I think it's so important for us uh, church uh, e either pedal peddle these either conspiracies or things that we think and, and pushing these videos out and putting each other on blast. I think it's good for us to come to the table and have conversations and dialogue. And, uh, and right. so I'm grateful for that. I uh, have been a part of the worship movement. I guess you could say the prophetic worship movement, the charismatic worship movement for a long time since I picked up a guitar at 16. I moved to a Reading and have been a part of the community at Bethel for probably uh, almost four years now. And so I think in re I have a lot, a lot of stuff I'd love to share, but in reference to that first question, you know, I have, since my four years of being here, I've never heard anybody 
say from the pulpit that Jesus was not fully God. Um, I, I, I believe that he was fully God, that he was fully man. Uh, obviously, that's the thing that we, that we as humans can't wrap our brain around how that works. Uh, right. But yeah, I, I fully believe that. And I mean, there may be a specific question for somebody, you know, that's not on this call that I can't answer. But from what I know about our community, the things that we sing about, I totally believe. And I believe I could say that on our, on behalf of our community that and was fully man. Well, I think uh, the statement actually comes from one of Bill's books. You know, there's a, there's a sentence there where he said that. And so that's why I think Bethel said they're wanting to put together short videos to explain some of these things. But, you know, like you, since we don't have Bill here, we don't know what he, you know, if I look back at what I wrote 20 years ago, oh, man, I would change some of that. I know I have a book back here somewhere. It's called Retractions by Augustine. And it's what he retracted later on in his life. Uh, St. Augustine, uh, he retracted, obviously, he was free will and then switched to election and, and different things, but that's that's off point. My point is, you know, you with your heart, your theology, I mean, when we talked, I, I, I didn't disagree with anything uh, as far as theologically, and it's good to hear your heart with, with the lyrics, but it does lead to that question, you know, with, um, does do you sift your lyrics through any type of theologian, or do you, I mean, obviously, painstakingly make sure they line up with scripture, you know, I know that's your heart uh, to do that is to make sure they honor God, but they're also, you know, spirit led They're uh, And I have no problem with emotional worship as long as it's, you know, doctrinally sound. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, let's talk about emotional worship. I think that that's a great, a great lead off into that discussion and, you know, talk about the lyrics behind it. I, I you know, obviously today I woke up with the news of, you know, Robbie Zacharias going to mm. heaven and I was yes. just... You know, what a legend and what a hero in the faith for apologetics, for, uh, you know, for, um, you know, standing for truth and, and at all costs. And, you know, I really appreciated him. And I, I just I love pouring over brilliant minds. You know, I think it's it's so important for us to worship with our heart, soul, spirit, mind, with our whole body. I think that that is the sacrifice of praise is that we bring everything. Yeah. And I think sometimes there's a tendency to where people say, you know, you, you know, you, the charismatic style seems that it's based predominantly around emotion and the lyrics seem like they be fluffy and there's not substance there. And you have people that say, well, let's return back to the hymns. And then you have people say, but no, like we need to feel the presence of God. And so you have this perpetual argument. And I, 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 my heart, I think I would say, can we not find middle ground somewhere? Yes. Um, Amen. You know, I, I would say kind of what you were saying about your book. I mean, I've been writing songs since I was 16. Would I look back at the songs that I wrote when I was 16 and 17 and say, man, they were theologically sound and accurate? And probably not. Did they mean something to me? Did they come out of a pure heart of hunger for God? Probably so. Um, and, and, and so I think that... I, you know, I think it's important for movements, and I'll, I can speak on behalf of ours. I can speak on behalf of, you know, uh, the my friends at Hillsong. I've written with a lot of those guys. We do have a process where we allow people to review and look over and pour over the contents of the uh, of the songs that we write. I, I believe songs are powerful. They they can you know who was it the uh, I think it was in the eighteen hundreds. 
that statement that came out, let me write the songs of the nation. I don't care who writes its laws. You know, I think it's powerful uh, as songwriters. We have the ability to songs. I tell people this all the time, worship leaders, songs have the ability to go to places where sermons can never go. It's true. And, and, you know, we, 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 I, you know, I don't just lead worship in big conferences or events in church. I mean, I, I'm on in many closed, dark nations. I've led worship in mosques before I've led worship in Hindu temples. I, we've done a, a ton in, in the Buddhist world. Right, Sean, I got to you know, stop you uh, there, man. I got to stop you there. You, you just said you led worship in a mosque, man. Tell me I about did. that. What, how did that happen? <laughs> well, I'm just, my, the point in my heart is, is that I've, I've brought in the atmosphere, the presence, the yes. song it's given me into these different situations, not, not even just different churches, not even just different you know, not even just a Baptist church or Methodist or Presbyterian. I've actually gone into, yeah, into mosques, been invited into mosques in Iraq, in wow. Bahrain, in Turkey, in, in, in many nations across the Middle East to, you know, they don't have the theology of worship. They, they call it healing music, but I'm singing about Jesus, you know, wow. I'm singing I saw about. Your, I, yeah, I saw one of your videos. I think you're in Iraq or, or close by up on a mountain doing Amazing Grace or something. Um, but we should probably clarify because I, for the heresy hunters out there, you're not talking about ecumenical movements and all coming together. You, you know, there's a clear line of dip, demarcation between Muslims and Christians. But to go in, but to go in and, and glorify Jesus in these areas of darkness. Um, in, yeah, my point in sharing that was is that is that worship is powerful. It, yes. we, we literally, and I would not be invited to come and preach mm. in a mosque right. yep, or exactly. preach in a Hindu temple, but I am invited to come and bring my songs, wow. which just so happen to be songs all about Jesus, right? Yeah. That I would yeah. sing out of church on Sunday morning. And, and so what I'm saying is uh, it's powerful, the gift that we carry as worship leaders, yeah. Because we can go into places where yeah. sermons can never go, and we can essentially sing our sermon. That's yeah, and that's why that's why I think grace is so important. Because God calls different people to different things. You just mentioned Robbie Zacharias, who I've got a lot of his book back there too. But he went to the Mormon Tabernacle and spoke about Jesus, but John MacArthur turned it down. Mm. You know, so see, you can you can have variety of, of giftings of where God has called us and not compromise the gospel. That's right. You can go into places. Yeah. And, and that's exactly where you, but here's, here's kind of what got me fired up on all this, the emotional worship and your and wanting to actually reach out and, and talk to you because, you know, listening to a video with, uh, with uh, Justin Peters and Todd Frile, they compared the music. Why would we listen to music uh, uh, orchestrated, put together by Planned Parenthood? What is saying with Bethel? I mean, that did my blood boil. That is the worst comparison I think I've ever heard. And I think these guys, they get so, it, it's, it's a, these hearts are so hard that they can't see past this, this, this modern day Phariseeism of, you know, reaching out, let's hear the heart of these people. Uh, half the things they believe about Bethel, I've, what I've found out aren't even true. Now, do I have concerns? Of course, that's why we're having the call um, on the, emo- so I don't mean to cut you off on the emotional worship, um, but I think we're all on the same page, right? That the, that the, the, it has to be heart. It is heartfelt. Uh, and it's not just about emotions and lyrics. It's about doctrine pointing to Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think it just, I think, I think emotional worship, God forbid we don't have emotions towards God. You know, we're not robots here. Well, uh, and I, I, yeah, 
and I think it's important, you know, let me just lay a little bit of a theological framework and maybe this will help. And I would love for you guys to ask questions along the way. Is that all right? Yeah, I've got two real quick after you do this. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, emotional worship, I think my response as we teach on this, as we do this around the world, I would, my, my, my theological framework for this would be one, it's a direct command. I mean, we, we have, I, I think last time I studied it, it was somewhere past 50 times that we're commanded to sing a new song to the Lord. Mm. We're, cre- we're called to create a new expression. Um, it's a sacrifice of praise, meaning that it, it, it's irregardless of our feelings. It's irregardless of our circumstances. It, it's irregardless. I mean, I'm, I, I lead worship a ton. Do I always feel like it? Do I always feel like singing a song no. of joy? When I'm bummed, no, but I do it because it's a, it's a choice. It's a sacrifice because he's worthy of everything we have to give. And that, another thing is it's, it's one of extravagance. It's got to be extravagant. It's got to cost us something. Mm-hmm. It's got to bypass uh, at, at times, you know, I, I love to worship God with my mind and I love to meditate on the beauty of him. But sometimes you cannot just contain it in your thoughts and your mind. And actually, I would say the Bible re- reveals a pretty compelling case that we are called to give him everything, our yeah. dancing, our singing, our, our, our joy, even those that aren't, aren't good dancers like myself. That's a real sacrifice. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's an extravagant offering. And I think that what's important, and I'll say this, like, and we can go into specific verses or specific theology in the Old and New Testament, but I would bring up these two examples of, of emotional worship to help give people context. One, you have the example of David, of course, in 2 Samuel 6. And, you know, David is there, and he, in front of the entire nation, he strips down in his priestly garments, and he dances with all of his might before the Lord. What happens in that story, you have Michael, the daughter of Saul, representing that that Saul lineage. She despises him in her heart because she feels like his his emotionalism towards the Lord is done in vain, of which in 2 Samuel 6, David responds to her and he says, hey, listen, girl, that wasn't for you. You know, I don't know what you were thinking. That wasn't for you. Fast forward to the New Testament. We have another great example in John chapter 12. We have Mary pouring out her finest at the feet of Jesus, right? She's a prostitute. She has no business being in the room. And Jesus is surrounded by the top theologians of his day or the ones that knew him the best. And in the midst of an offering of extravagant worship, they missed the whole point. And they were offended that she gave everything that she had in that moment. So I want to say this no matter how many angles we talk about this, I think it's important to understand that there will always be an element of misunderstanding around extravagant worship. It just comes with the terrain. And And I should, people won't, people won't understand it. People will constantly need more, more verses, more theology. And at some point you have to just say, you know what, this is my offering to Jesus. And well, I, mean, I, I think I, I think I can even sum it up I, from what I've noticed. You know, preach, preaching a lot of different backgrounds. The people who have that complaint about emotional worship are those who don't want to go deeper with God. They don't want to sing "Let It Rain" because they don't want to get wet. They don't want the spirit to break out, so they're not going to sing "Spirit Break Out." They they're 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 afraid of that deeper work of the spirit, as A. W. Tozer would call it. They're 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 afraid of that surrendered life where God just baptized you in this 
this, the, the spirit of love and grace and mercy and the, this boldness and knowing they don't want that. That's uncomfortable. Uh, so, so the emotional worship goes deep. It goes deep into worship of God. And I think that's why a lot of people back up is, is they're just, they're just not worshipers. They're workers many times, but they're not worshipers. Right. Um, I just want to ask you real quick. We won't even talk long about this, but do you know anything about the uh, the NAR? Because there's charges out there that I'm part of the NAR, that Bethel's part of the NAR. I hope I'm saying that right. National, yeah, uh, the, what, the, the uh, apostolic referee. I mean, I don't. It, you don't even have to answer much of that because nobody. It's this mythical thing that you know. I know. See, see, Peter Wagner started. But I've talked to Michael Brown recently. I've talked to other people, and all these people who are identified with it don't even know what it is, you know. And I don't think you guys are identified with it, or at least you're not. Uh, well, I mean, I, I'm in a whole different level of, uh, you know, uh, conspiracies and accusations because I, I'm, I have the political side too. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, that just adds a whole other layer. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. These guys, they, they're always, uh, it's always trying to, you know, put people in a, in a box and put people on a label and put people in their camp. And I think one of the reasons why I'm really passionate about continuing the dialogue, especially with people that don't understand it, you know, why, why we would do what we do or, or, or you know, emotional worship is because I, I, you know, I know the heart and the intentions of so many of these people. And a lot of them are my friends. And it doesn't mean that there are times when we miss it and we don't get it. And maybe we sing a wrong lyric. I'm, I, trust me, I have probably sung so many theologically inaccurate lyrics. I will be the first to raise my hand and say, I'm sure that happened. Um, and, and I think that, I think it's okay, you know, but I think the heart behind it, do we want to walk in this spirit and truth? Yes. Do we want to have oversight into our lyrics to make sure that what we are singing and calling people into carries theological accuracy? Yes. Do we also believe in a Davidic sense that there is a license at times to be creative? You know, I, I, sure. I would say yes. Yeah. You know, they, David modeled this in, 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 in a very amazing way. Some of the songs we, we wouldn't sing on Sunday morning. I mean, they're pretty savage, you know, yeah, yeah. But, but he modeled a, a heart and a life where, you know, we can worship even through the processes. And I'm saying that as a guy that gets kind of sick of process worship songs yeah, a lot. That's true. What you about? Know, I like high Christology worship songs. I like yeah, according you know, to Christ. Yeah, that's awesome. What about like some of the with the worship that goes on? People would say the experiences there. Like I did see some things on you know YouTube, and I'll just share with you about the youth leader there talking about you know the children's ministry leader telling the kids to go, okay, go look for angels and tell us what they said to you. I mean, to me, that's just, that's really bad. So I, I'm, you know, it's, it's not good theology. I don't know if, if Bethel teaches that or if that was just a, a youth leader gone wild. We've had a few of those or this fixation on angels in the room or these large angels going through the roof. And, you know, so you can, people are kind of leery and then like a glory cloud or things. And so maybe just tying that all in from your perspective. Yeah, I mean, you know, my kids, uh, they kid, my kids go to, you know, the, go to church, they go to school at Bethel, we're so grateful. Um, I've seen such a transformation in my, my children, my own children in their heart for, for God since we moved here. Um, it's just, it's, a, it's an amazing atmosphere and they're, they're worshiping and they're having incredible encounters with Jesus. 
Um, I, I don't, I don't know that I, I've never heard in a service or my kids have never came home saying that they were hunting around looking for angels. I will say that they said that they've had encounters and they've had dreams and they've seen stuff, which I think you could theologically and biblically back up in many ways. I mean, you look at Hebrews chapter 12 or chapter 13, and it, it talks about, you know, the myriad of angels surrounding us. I, I think that's a reality. Is that our focus? No. Should we ignore it? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think equally, I think it's foolish to focus on angels as your attention. And I think it's also foolish to ignore them when they show up or when things happen or when you see them. But I think a lot of that comes down to the intentionality behind it. And I can tell you as a church, you know, I, we don't worship angels. Yeah. Yeah. No. And he probably he might he might have got caught on YouTube saying that. I mean, I, I saw it, and, and maybe Bethel said, "Hey, you know, that's that's not healthy." So we don't know the backstory. That's why I just want to hear your heart. You know, what about like the glory cloud or um, just you know the tunnel fire and these things that you know? I understand some of it, but some of it I think, but but and some of the footage doesn't really represent you or Bethel. It's more of uh, I just had a guy not a while back. The sheriff's department called me. And he was at the college harassing people, saying he's from our church, and that I sent him there. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm well aware that people can misrepresent you in these areas. Um, but maybe, you know, what you've seen leading worship about the, a glory cloud or this, the, the uh, if I'm, I'm wrong here, maybe angel feathers or gold dust, which, and I'm, I love revivals. I've, I've half these books back there on revivals in the 16th, 1700s, Welsh revivals, Great Awakenings, Finney, Whitfield, uh, Hal Herons, Griffin Jones. Daniel Rollins, Evan Robbins, the Welsh Revival. So I, I'm a student of revival, and I don't see a lot of that. Now, you see people falling down in the presence of God. You see people just, you know, hours and hours, all-night prayer meetings. You see conviction of sin and holding on to trees, as Ed, Edwards was preaching his famous sermon, you know, because and, and people falling down like on a battlefield underneath the, the anointing of George Whitfield. And, and we see those things. But, you know, glory clouds, angel dust, or angel feathers, gold dust, you know, I don't know if those things are kind of, um, you know, toting that line of, of not necessarily, not only not biblical, but maybe not within the scope of genuine revival. But again, I haven't been well, there. I, you know, I, I would say, you know, I would, I would say genuine revival is repentant hearts turning to Jesus yes. and, and people coming alive. Amen. Yes. <laughs> I think that's a great definition, but I will also say that, you look at the Welsh Revival, you look at Aziza Street, you look at, you know, what happened in Brownsville, you look what happened in Toronto, you look in whatever, you could delegitimize any of these moves, however yeah. you want. But sure. they, were, they were verified, people got saved, people repented, people turned to God, people were sent to the nations. Yeah. And all of them carried weird things. <laughs> and all of them have stories of crazy things that happen. And so I think there comes a problem when we try to intellectually come to these moves of God and formulaically plan, you know, and that, that's actually, to be honest, that's how I feel like a lot of people miss moves of God is they get tripped up by, by the little things. Yeah. And, and they get, they get all in their head and you know, God is so much bigger than that. Now having referencing the, the glory cloud or gold dust or feathers or whatever, I, in my experience at church in, in four years of leading there, that's never been a focus. We've never prayed for it, asked for it, looked for it. I think the, the season of when the glory cloud was there, that, that was before I got there. So I never experienced that. Um, 
but I have had some crazy experiences all over the world in my, you know, 15 plus years of, of leading worship and pressing into God. And it hasn't just come in, you know, in one group of people or one camp of people. I had a, I was with some charismatic Catholics in Eastern <laughs> Europe right. and, and, and God did some, some of the craziest encounters I've ever seen, things that you can't explain. Um, now, what was the purpose of that? I mean, what was the purpose of the burning bush? What was the purpose of, of all the weird things that, that happened in the Bible? I think they just revealed that there's a God so much bigger than we can control or manipulate or even explain at times. So I think it's more the heart behind it. People will always take a lot of those instances as, out of context. But I will say this, like, I would rather error being in a community that's willing to press in for it and yeah. go for something Amen. than to be in a place that's cautious, Amen. you know, that's wow. so worried. Um, and, and that's kind of where my heart is in the whole thing. And, you know, what's funny is um, reading books on revival, I wonder, too, you know, you wonder how if some of the I bet some of these heresy hunters, um, I bet they'd have a problem with the day of Pentecost. That's right. Honestly. Sure. Tongues of fire, tongues of fire, the Holy Spirit falls and they start speaking unknown language. Oh, that's not of God. That's of the devil. Yeah. Uh, and there have been stories and revivals where people have been praying and they all see like this, this fire and this, on, on this presence on these people. And now are these missionaries lying? I don't think so. So I think that's the key. We have to be open to what God wants to do. But at the same time, I like what Jonathan Edwards said that, you know, it is, is Christ elevated? Is, is the truth proclaimed? Is God honored? Is there love and humility? I mean, there's a way to test genuine works of God. You know, is there is there fruit? So totally love that. What about what about prophecy and healing? Like I, the the word out there is Bethel. You know, teaches or you believe that God always heals. And I I know the danger because if you go to the other side, it's like, well, if it's God's will, we'll, we'll see. And you know, I, I think there's a there's an asking, there's a faith that's involved, there's a receiving and believing, but. I just don't find where every person should be healed in every situation. And I haven't followed Bethel enough to know, you know, if that's what you would believe or not. I, I don't, you know, I don't follow it. So I don't know if, if, if you would be able to speak into that. Well, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of times you, you can be in a culture where you kind of lower your expectation of what God can do according to your experience. Yep. Yeah. I've been there. And I think that that's, <laughs> I think like a lot of that's going on in this whole uh, COVID-19 thing, eh, Sean, wouldn't it? Wouldn't you for say sure. That? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, people have forgot that we're supposed to lay hands on the sick and see healing, right? Go ahead. Uh-oh. Did I lose you? <laughs> His internet's I think that we can – it's a dangerous place to lower our, our, our theology or lower our expectations of what – God uh, can do from based upon our own experiences. And so, you know, I would say, I, I do believe God wants to heal. I do believe God, God wants to deliver. I do believe yes. he wants to save. It says that, you know, that, uh, you know, he, he, you know, God gave his son that the whole world, like his desire was everybody would turn their heart. This is theologically, you know, accurate according to the book of John, John 3, 316. Right. So that the whole world would turn. Now, is the whole world turning? No. Did the whole world turn? No. And so I think that there's an intention there. and there's, there's an ability for us to want to see the fullness of God in every situation. My, my father 
passed away from cancer. Um, Bill's father passed away from cancer. Mm. We had a uh, we had a baby girl. One of our worship leaders lost yeah. her baby girl. You know, uh, several months ago, and we were praying and believing that God would bring resurrection. Why not? Because we have the theological precedent for it. It didn't happen. You know, it it didn't happen. We didn't see that baby resurrected. Does that mean we don't believe that God can resurrect the dead? You know, because it didn't happen in our experience. Does that believe mean next time we should say, well, if they die, then that's that's fine. No, I I feel like you know, why not say God. Could this be the opportunity where you would raise? I mean, can you imagine what would happen, you know, around the world? How many people would turn? So I I just think that, you know, for me, I'm like, I want to, and this part of my personality is part of why I'm I'm even on this conversation. Like, I want (laughs) to go for it. Like, I want to live my life. You know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, I think George Whitfield said this, I'd rather wear out than rust out, you know? Like, I want to go all in. I want to try to press God to his fullness. And, and I would love to see, that's the dream of my life, is to see some of the wild miracles in the Bible. Yeah. But, so, but, o- but overall, like, o- overall, then, you would say, yeah, that's, I think that's my heart, too, and Todd's heart, is we, yes. we press in. We pre- but it wouldn't be that God would heal in every single case. And if he doesn't heal, your faith isn't strong enough. Because I think sometimes yeah, God, I, uses, you know, yeah. God uses infirmities to get us to draw closer to him. Uh, sometimes James tells us it can be due to besetting sin that God will use as a chastisement. And, and so um, I think it's a healthy balance is Lord, we're praying for healing. Your word commands it. We believe you can do it. But even if you don't like the boys in the furry, fiery furnace, Lord, you can deliver us. But even if you don't, we're still going to worship you, you know? Yeah. Yes. Good. Okay. Yeah. What about prophecy? Um, it seems like there's this loose kind of, Hey, try it out. If it works, great. If it doesn't, oh well, you missed it. Where I, you know, at least from where I am at, we take a much. You just we take a pretty high view on prophecy. Maybe too much to where, you know, um, we'll challenge people if they missed it. We want to make sure it's God. I, I just had a situation recently where someone prophesied that they didn't have cancer and they did, and hmm. you know, it can be it can be a real big mess. So I think we're real careful in that area. Um, but I think the with Bethel, at least the the thought is that. Um, hey, just prophesy. Try it. If it works, it doesn't. Great. You know, you don't, how do you know if you don't try? Where I really don't see that. Also in the school of ministry, I don't see teaching people how to raise people from the dead or see teaching people how to prophesy. It's more of a, of a work of the Holy Spirit within a person that will, uh, now granted, you want to steward that gift. But um, So I think there's some questions there on prophecy and how you can teach that in a school of ministry. Well, you know, I, I think that... Uh you know, one of Paul's, you know, greatest desires, according to the New Testament was, I I want you all to prophesy, right? As as above everything else, above all the other gifts, you know, the desire was, I want every single person to prophesy. That is my desire, because the purpose of prophecy is to bring edification. So I think that we have to take that New Testament, you know, uh, teaching and say, wow, like, well, maybe, we're all called to prophesy. Now I think it's important to define what that looks like. Does that mean everybody should have a public ministry where they prophesy, you know, uh, major national global things from a platform? No. I mean, I think that a lot of that is, you know, you have that verse in, in, in revelation, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So technically anytime we're, we're, we're sharing the testimony of Jesus, okay. we're prophesying destiny into someone's life. I, I see. I see. This might help the listener too. Um, 
there is two different types of prophecy. There's a foretelling and a foretelling, you know, where a prophetic word is different than when Paul says, go out and prophesy, meaning proclaim the truth of God's word in the boldness and power of the Holy Spirit. Everyone can prophesy. But then when there's a different type to a prophetic word, I think it was um, Wayne Grudem in his book, Systematic Theology, talks about the gift of prophecies when God supernaturally brings something to someone's mind for the benefit or admonishment or conviction of another. And I so maybe maybe people just get confused on those two because you're right. We are we are called to go out and prophesy according to that Greek word of, of proclaiming what God has done for you, the good things of God. So maybe there's, that's just a fine line that people aren't, yeah, you know. I, and, and, I, and I'll, I'll you know be honest about this. I think that you know we're we're still a lot of the way in which you know since Azusa Street and and, and since this explosion of of the gifts of god that are permeating the world we're trying to figure out i know i am i'm speaking for myself how do we function as people that can operate in these giftings but how do we create systems and structures to where we can test the word because i think that's very important i think it's important for us to have boundaries i think it's important for us to 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 be able to bring validation and to be able to bring critique and to be able to you know when people get it wrong to not say well you're in the penalty box for forever but to say hey you know i'm thankful people didn't do that to me when i first started leading worship i mean i was I, I was horrible, like, or when I first started preaching, I was horrible. Mm. Um, but, but, but we do have to have safeguards in place. But again, I would say, you know, I don't feel like that. It, it, it again, in my personality, I feel like we need to go after the things of God, and I do think that we need to have systems and structures in place where we can bring accountability. That is so yeah. important in every, in every sense of the, of, of the way of, of our character, yeah. of our integrity, of our, you know, of our heart, of the accuracy of what we're giving. But I think we should also have an atmosphere in a culture where we're encouraging people to try new things. I mean, um, I think you can see that in, in Jesus, like, you know, they, they went and they tried to cast out demons. They went and they tried to, and Jesus said, no, no, this kind only comes out through fasting and prayer. And it was like, well, well, dang, Jesus, I wish you would have told us that. Well, I wanted you to try this first. You know, it's like Jesus operated very much in that fluid kind of way. And I think a lot of times we try to make these rigid, constructed things. And I, um, and it's, yeah. it's good for, it might be good for the listener to know, too, that we're actually really talking to the people in the middle. You know, the conservative camps they call, that they call sensationists that believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit have, have ceased are going to not agree with anything we're talking about. I'm not that group's already convinced once I experience the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, once you experience it and God's word confirms it, you know, that's why I think uh, D Martin Lloyd Jones said in his book on preaching, preaching and preachers is that we, we don't, um, we don't gain feelings by the word. So if what I've experienced of the Holy Spirit lines up with what Paul experienced, you're on good ground. So that's what we're trying to meet, get those listeners right in the middle. Um, And just, I know we won't have a lot of time, but I know, you guys, you, there's no no go on the grave sucking. I mean, that's a that's a myth. I mean, you know, because the, there's some pictures out there, um, and then no. Um, I, let, let me just say this. So there's a ministry school here with three thousand students. I mean, maybe more. Um, they're amazing. They're wild. They're going after God. Do they take things too far at times? Yes. Do they do crazy things? Yes. I did when I was in ministry school. 
Um, yeah. I, should you should you hold an entire movement captive because one kid did a silly video? <laughs> have I have I stood on a gravesite and said, God, I want to see the fullness of whatever wasn't accomplished in this life fulfilled? Yes, I did that on the gravesite of, of Keith Green. Of course, yeah. I, I remember going to Keith Green's gravesite. And, oh, and, yeah. and, 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 uh, and, and outside of Tyler, Texas. And I remember looking there and realizing that, you know, this dude died with his, two of his kids at such a young age. Yeah. And I was so infuriated that the purposes and plan, I felt the purposes and plans of God were cut short in his life. And so I said, God, I want to see that. I stood there and I said, God, I want to see the fullness of whatever you had in your heart or whatever was in his heart to happen. I want to take that on for my generation. Amen. Um, you know, I, to me, I, I think you could, you could back up a lot of that theologically. I mean, I think, yeah, I think no, there, that's what you're there explaining. There's an element of passing the mantle. There is an element of yeah. passing it. Yeah, for sure. And what I think is happening, and it's, it's actually why I initiate this call too, is a lot of these younger kids in the, in the school of ministry in their 20s, they need direction. Yes. They, they need people coming alongside and helping them. Let, let people, God forbid my daughter, like they, 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 they mock Bill Johnson's daughter for saying the Holy Spirit or Jesus like a genie in a bottle. Yeah, that's not good. But let people say, you know what? I missed that. I shouldn't have said it. My, do- my kids have said stuff this week. I'm like, Hopefully no, no heresy hunter heard that one coming from Pastor Shane's child. You yeah. know what I mean? But there's no grace to say, hey, I'm sure you didn't mean that. If you thought it, it's just this rigid, hard, go get them attitude that really drives me crazy because it's not, it's not love behind it. We can fight for theology, sure. but still have grace, especially on the 20-year-olds. Uh, I think that happened. Somebody from Reading came up, and I was up in the High Sierra Mountains, and they were trying to raise someone from the dead. Uh, up there in, uh, I think it was in Kern County, up by Tahoe, June Lake Loop, Mammoth. And I, you know, seeing some of their hearts, their hearts were on fire for God. It's in the Bible. Like, you know, so their hearts are on fire for God and they just need to have someone point them in the right direction. Say, listen, it doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't, you know, this is a special work of God's spirit instead of mocking them. I think we're hurting our generation by mocking them instead of helping them. Well, uh, I think there's, I think that there's a lot of uh, unbelief out there. It's a spirit yeah. of unbelief. And, you know, we, we look at those specific instances to say, aha, that's why, you know, we're, we're we look at the clickbait, you know, we want, we want to be roused in our, and I think that the, the interesting thing is, and again, we're speaking with people in the middle I think that if we came to the table together, we would realize we're not that much different. Right. Yes. Hey, Todd, if you, if you go outside or any of you guys and your daughter just drowned in your pool, you don't think you're going to pray like heaven's coming down for resurrection? Oh, I I, I've, I've done it for my own kids. You know, I did it for my son that was in the middle of a seizure attack. Wow. You know, yeah. when you, I mean, are, are you kidding me? Yeah. I've, yeah. And, and what's funny is that everybody has that theology when they're in their crisis. Mm. Yep, exactly. You know, everybody has that theology when they need God to show up. And I just think it's, 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 it's a tragedy that we don't come together more, have these dialogues and, and, and realize that, you know what, like there are going to be times where we miss it. We are human. I mean, gosh, good night. Look at the pattern (laughs) in the history of the years in the Bible. Like, I, yeah. mean, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about worship, you know, and talk about the Davidic heart. I mean, David killed a guy. He had an affair. He was a cheater. He was a liar. And yet, and yet G- God named his son after him. Hmm. 
You know, they cried out in the streets in the New Testament, you know, son of David, have mercy, you know. Uh, and, and so I think it's important. And, and that's because God looked at his heart. David, David, he had this heart for God. And I think it's important for us to, to find that heart for God in each other. And you know what? You know why people don't want to have this discussion, Sean? I'll just to tell the people out there that because most people don't want to don't confuse me with the facts. You know, I, I've made up my mind. That's I right. don't like Bethel. I don't want to be convinced otherwise. It's called spiritual pride, and it's deadly, and it's damning. Mm. And that's why you won't see a lot of these tables, these people talk, is because they don't, want, they don't want to know that they could have been wrong in some of these areas. Now, again, I'm not validating Bill. I don't know. You know, I'm just saying what I've seen from you, what I've seen from others. Uh, maybe you can even speak quickly into that thing. I know I've got emails on that, on the tarot cards. They were kind of new age cards, but they were used to, you know, convert new age people, you know, reading. I don't know if you even know about it. Maybe what I'm talking about. Um, if you don't, that's good. But I guess Bethel started these tarot, Christian tarot cards. Maybe a good idea in their mind, but probably a bad idea practically. Um, but I think it's how they, they were going to go reach out to new age people with that. Well, this is the first time I've heard that. Um, okay. But... I will say that, you know, we do, uh, my ministry, uh, you know, Burn 24-7, we do a lot of outreach into New Age festivals. We actually do a massive outreach. Uh, we're, we're the biggest, I believe, the biggest Christian presence on the ground uh, during Haunted Happenings, which is the largest yep. gathering of witches wow. in North America. It happens every Halloween in Salem, Massachusetts. Mm. And we set up a tent there and, you know, Witches want, you know, they, they come to fortune tellers and, and they come to our tent and it says, do you want to hear from God? And we basically, they show give them straight scripture about who God says that they are. And, and a lot of times we see witches come to Jesus, you know, right. in, in, in that atmosphere. So, you know, I, I, I do believe we're called to be the light in the darkness. It's why we run to the front lines of war zones. It's why we go rescue kids out of brothels. It's, it's, it's what we're called to do. And I think that, uh, you know, the last thing that we're worried about and the last thing Jesus was worried about was being associated with sinners. I yeah. mean, this is the guy that they said was hanging out with drunkards and tax collectors. So, you know, yeah, I think, say, I think the issues on that is never reaching out to the sinners or the lost or the new age. I think it's our method. As long as our method doesn't compromise the gospel, which what you're doing, it doesn't. And, and right. maybe that was the, I don't know about a lot about this either. I just, I just thought I'd ask you, but yeah. maybe their method was, was, was polluted or maybe it didn't send the right message. I don't know. If you've never heard about it, I think that's pretty good. But I, I do have a question. Let me just kind of hear my heart on this one. You know, um, I followed for a while, you know, uh, Kenneth Copeland and those guys and Ben Hinn and, and I just, it, and when Bill and, and maybe there's an alignment there, maybe he's trying to minister to them. I don't know, but I think we have to be careful with who we identify with. Uh, I know Todd White is questionable too. Um, I have issues with, you know, his, you know, come on guys, Roman Catholics, all of us, let's just get along. So maybe he, you know, he doesn't know, and I know you can't speak for Todd, that would be a whole different one, but maybe he doesn't know that theology of Rome, maybe he doesn't know we can't just all get along because it's, it's, you know, but so I just think the question out there on the minds of many people is having Benny Hinn on the stage or Kenneth Copeland and aligning with these types of individuals that really have a checkered past. Uh, and I know Benny Hinn's uh, nephew, Costi came out recently and talked about what happens behind the scenes, but then you hear Benny Hinn worked on his marriage. He has repented of the prosperity gospel 
you know, so I don't know if he's just saying to say it. I mean, I'm not the judge on that, but so I'm just wondering the thought process and maybe you can't speak into this because you don't necessarily are part of that. But that, that's, I think one of the big things is they see people, they see like Beth, Beth or Bill aligning with people that are, um, that we would say are destructive. And I don't really have a problem with saying who's people I would consider possibly false prophets, false teachers. Um, and, and almost aligning with them. Again, I have to talk to these individuals. I'm not coming out and saying that right now. I don't, I don't follow their ministries, but I just think it's a, it's a critical, critical uh, question when we align with a certain group of people and we, um, you know, we kind of show that, they, that, that, hey, we're all one in this area. I don't know. I, maybe it didn't explain well, I, I can't. I probably can't speak to this, maybe a lot of the specific intentions. I, I will say that I have a massive my myself have a massive heart for unity and you know i try to navigate that uh you know i i told you that i mean we 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 bring worship into not just not even just catholic churches at times into mosques you know when we get invited in you know i i you know i don't believe the presence of god is fragile i don't believe he's scared of being inside a mosque or a temple i believe that he you know the earth is the lord's and the fullness thereof um and I believe that, that, that there is a, a heart for unity. And I, I you know, I, I went to, I graduated from Oral Roberts University and I, I know some of those families. I know some of their kids. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have seen a lot in my, in my <laughs> short days uh, of being alive. And, um, and, I, and I think it's, you know, I, I think that we really, uh, it's important. And I've, I've been the false, uh, the false judge of, and kind of, found myself at times becoming the the police over who should do what with whom and you know and for me I'm just like okay lord I want to see the fruit of people's lives I want to see you know you'll know them by their fruit how's their fruit how's their family what is their what does their life look like there's always accusations flying around i mean you know we see that we see the same thing about the president these days or the yeah. same thing about any leaders is there's and you There's got to lead worship in the White House too, right, Sean? I, I thought I saw that, man. Yeah. Yeah, and I got hammered for that, you know, oh by people. God. How dare you? You know, <laughs> Sean, can, Sean can run off to the Middle East and, and worship there, but not in the White House, you know. It's, it's, people are crazy, you know. And so I don't, I don't try to be captive to – man, thank God I don't, I don't live my life captive to the uh, perceptions of what people – think we should do. And I think sometimes we have to look at those situations and say, well, I don't agree with that ministry. I don't agree with that ministry. Hmm, this looks really weird. God, I wonder if you're doing something. I wonder what you're up to. And I think, you know, I found myself, it's, it's really freed me to say maybe in this situation, you're bigger than I thought. Maybe you're doing something beyond what I can see. Um, I don't know that I agree with this person or like this person or this person does this this way and this person is this way and I don't always agree. And I'm kind of, some of that's like, Hey, welcome to planet earth. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, welcome to a broad variety. And, and we of, should, we should uh, clarify too, for people maybe coming in a little bit later, but you're not promoting ecumenical movements in these mosques or it's all like, Hey, let's come in and worship all it together. No. You know, if you have a clear, you no, know. <laughs> in fact, in fact, I'm, I'm way more hardcore uh, on the other end, you know, of really seeing people come and step out of their former lifestyle and, 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 and pronounce that he's Lord of their life. And that has yeah. a lot of consequences for people in those cultures. It does. But, Absolutely. But, but I think my point is in bringing that situation up is that 
I have a deep desire for unity. And I think sometimes God does things And you know, Billy Graham, um, he was just such a legend in the way that he approached and navigated a lot of these situations. Right. Um, and they always tried to nail him. You know, he would go on Larry King live and they would try to nail him and they would try to corner him. And, you know, what do you think about this person? What do you think about this group? What do you think? And he would always just say, well, I think that, uh, you know, that they're sinners by like me. I think that they <laughs> that's right. God that's full of grace. And yeah. I think that we need each other. And that, I don't mean that in a globalist agenda of like, <laughs> we are the world. Right. But I do mean that to say that, yeah, the body. And I don't, I don't agree with, you know, I have a lot of friends in ministry that we have sharp disagreements in our theological views. We have sharp disagreements in our political views, but there are still things that I can learn about God through them. And mm. I am so grateful that we can have conversations like this that yes. we don't just immediately decide to live in an echo chamber of our own thoughts because i think that is where the danger is in my that's opinion. right you know i was thinking about you know we're in this modern media age where you have youtube you have podcasts and facebook and it's given a lot of people a voice that normally historically wouldn't have a voice like what right. shane and i call these heresy hunter guys that are, you know they make these videos you don't even know Bro. who this guy is who is this guy making this video and they take clips and you know, little sound bites and, you know, it's dangerous because they can really shape an opinion based on some of those things when people don't really see the full story or the full setting uh, of the context of where the, the, you know, the information they're talking about actually came from. So I think that as believers, we really need to operate in discernment and wisdom and not just listen to every heresy hunter out there that has a sound clip too, because I think that's super important. Uh, you know, we have to, like you said, have these discussions have these debates. You know, I, I was raised at the church on the way under Pastor Jack Hayford. He was huge in unity. And one of the things that I learned from him, which is similar to what you were saying about Billy Graham, was is that he always used to say, and I went to the King's College and Seminary, and he would say, focus on the 99% that you agree on instead of that 1% that you disagree on. You know, and if we did that in the body of Christ and came, you know, I think about Catherine Kuhlman, you know, imagine if they were videotaping every second of her ministry. I'm sure there would be some heresy hunter out there that would have something to say, right? Or, you know, even Billy Graham. I mean, you know, this was kind of before his time, you know, with all the media clips and all the social media stuff. So, you know, we don't know. We're in a new era right now, Sean and Shane. And so we are, we are far more exposed than we ever have been in our life. And. Um, and, and I think that that's so important for us to, to, to remember, yeah. you know, um, we, I think we, we, we look at these former, you know, people throughout history, just like you're mentioning. And, and, you know, what's funny is we're watching, you know, we're, everybody's seen the Michael Jordan documentaries right now of all the footage that was captured behind the scenes that nobody had seen before. And it's enlightening because nobody really knew this stuff. Because there wasn't a 24-hour news cycle, there wasn't social media, there wasn't a camera stuck in his face every... And it, it's the same way I feel like in this day and age, it's like, man, like if you want to look at my life, I'm sure you could follow a camera. And I mean, I was probably angry with my kids today and did some stupid stuff and said some... And then there's probably a bunch of good stuff in there as well. And I think it is important, I think, for us to find common ground and what we find common ground in. Now, there are some things that I'm like, that I believe, and we, you know, at, at a later date, we should discuss these. What are those 
things where we draw the line yeah. in the sand. Yeah. I think that's very important. Well, I think the key is I, what I, a takeaway I want some of the people to listen to is a lot of these peer, people haven't experienced a mighty baptism of the spirit or a mighty feeling of love and joy. So they don't have love. And that's what they're meant. These people are so hard and mm. you have to have love to show grace. You have to have, for example, the guy I debate on Fox news uh, who embraces gay marriage and encourages that. I still try to reach out to him. Uh, the professor from, uh, in New York, uh, very liberal theological uh, seminary there, we debate on Fox News how she thinks Jesus would be okay with abortion. But, you know, my, my heart is still to reach out and to try to have that relationship and to love them and try to draw them back to the, to the truth. But um, that's what I think people miss. They just don't have love. They're, they're hard, they're rigid, and they need, they need brokenness. They actually need to repent. Most, many of the people watching this actually need to repent. Um, if, if their hearts are hard and they're, they're already, you know, yeah, but, yeah, but Shane could have been harder. Shane should have been stronger. Shane should have asked harder questions. I mean, it's like, well, come on, guys. It's, this is all the questions I've got. I wrote them down. I even text Michael Brown. He said to tell you hello, and he doesn't have any questions either. So, um, <laughs> well, listen, I, I, I'm not afraid of the questions. And, and, and I think, yeah, no, I, I can tell. We have to, I think that we have to live in a day where we're not afraid to have these discussions and where if, if the end result of us having a dialogue is it's done in love and the end result is that it brings us closer together in our connection, I think yeah. that it can be very beneficial. Uh, I, I do want to reiterate, and, and I want to say this, you know, sp specifically on the topic of emotional worship, I want to reiterate that there are elements of, of this lifestyle of extravagant worship where you will be misunderstood. People will not get it. Those that have not had the same encounters that you have will be skeptical. And I mean, if David dealt with this from his own wife, if Mary, you know, uh, Mary Magdalene dealt with this, you know, and Jesus had to defend her in front of his own disciples that knew him the best, then why do we think that we can live in this life of extravagant worship to Jesus and not have people that don't get it? Like, I think that we have to reorient our expectations and realize, listen, that is part of the cost is yep. that people won't get it. That is part of the sacrifice, is that we look silly and we look foolish and the world makes fun of us. Like, rather than trying to resist that, I say just embrace that. Like, people won't understand. And you know what? That is okay. And I wish I had told my younger 16-year-old worship leader self that in the face a million times before <laughs> I ever started, and it would have saved me a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the same with preaching. You know, Todd knows it's the same with preaching. When you're when you're filled with the Spirit of God, and there's tons of passion and boldness, and calling the nation to repentance, and the lukewarm church, and you know, I mean, people love it or they hate it. That's right. You know, it's it's amazing. So it's the same with worship. You know, if, if people are ready to to just just dig in with God and go deeper, you know, they can really get I, I think offended by it too. Did you have any questions, or Sean, for us, or Todd, anything about? I, I, one thing I, I, when you mentioned Hillsong, I know they're got a, they're, it seems like they're really going a weird direction with the, the, L, the whole LGBTQ thing and supporting that. I hope, I hope I'm wrong. Um, but that would be one of my thoughts on, you know, I think we need to be strong on the essentials. I think yeah, as, as I, I, you know, I know that, I know that uh, pastor Brian has made a, a public statement that, they, that he supports the words of Paul in the New Testament. Yeah, I saw and that last year. I, I believe that he, he's made that statement. 
you know, uh, Hillsong um, is, a, is a large movement. They have a lot of different churches. Uh, Bethel is a, is a large movement. Don't, not as many churches, but a lot of influence. And so right. I think a lot of times there'll be like a, a level three, four, five, what tier down the line, somebody that says something and people say, oh, that's the head of Bethel. And that's the head of Hillsong. And, it, right. and it's really not true. And I think that we just need to be a little bit more mature. Right. Um, and, I, and I think it's important for us to get the facts from the, from the, you know, from the mouth of the leader. And I, it brings me a lot of assurance to know that that's where he stands directly from his mouth. That's good. Right. And, and discussions like this today, I mean, to me, this is breakthrough because, you know, to somebody that's listening that had a question, we mentioned people in the middle. To me, this has answered a lot of questions for me. Some of these questions that, that you know, Shane mentioned, I had too. And so I love, Sean, that you were willing to come on here and kind of take these questions on. And to me, it's a device of unity in the body of Christ. And I think, you know, all of us have a heart to see revival. And we know that in, in heaven, there's no denominations, you know, it's, it, there's no denominations in heaven. And when, when there is an outbreak and a move of God in this nation, which we're all praying for and we believe is coming, you know, I think it's sometimes going to get quote, unquote, a little messy. And so we need to be ready for that because are we ready to see a real move of God? We, you know, God is orderly, but he's also, you know, in orderly in his own way, not in the way that we would see the order sometimes. So it's going to get a little messy sometimes, but it's going to be in God's order. And so are we ready for that? I, I, would, I would pose that question to you both as we get ready to close here. Well, I will say this too. It's funny we mentioned this because all the books on the revival I read, I love it. God's going to be a passion for it. There's, there's two common denominators. There always has to be unity. God doesn't revive a divided church. So he usually brings a burden of prayer and of brokenness and of humility and repentance first in the yeah. instigators, in the fuelers, those people, who, the prayer meetings on revival. Revival started in a prayer meeting uh, often where, the, where there's unity of spirit, unity of truth. Pride has to die. Pride cannot exist in revival atmosphere. So I think I'm optimistic because I think that's our only hope in America. The way direction we're going, God has got to awaken his people and revive our nation. That, that's our hope. It's not in 2020. Uh, it's in November. It's, it's in God and God alone. So uh, my, my only thought would be that is those who are listening, take this, take this to God and say, Lord, if I had a hard heart, uh, I need to, I, Lord, I don't want a hard heart. Show me. I, I want to repent to that. And I think as, as there's more unity Again, in the essentials, I'm not talking about compromising doctrine. We don't compromise doctrine. We hold to the essentials. But we have to understand that they'll know we're disciples. Jesus said, you'll know that you, the world will know that you are my disciples by how well you translate the Greek, right? Or how well you, you're, you're, by your, by your uh, theological persuasions, they'll right. know how, how, you know, know that by your love for one another. And I think that's, that's what's, what's missing. But I think this is a, a good start. And I think my, uh, you know, my, my encouragement as well, a lot of you out there would, you know, it, it's, uh, I forget who made this, this quote, but, you know, my encouragement is this, this old quote that says, uh, you know, it's hard to hate somebody when you're talking to them, mm, you know, when you're sitting, down, true. When you're having a meal together. Um, I think it's important. It's so easy. It's just such an easy way out to make a video or string some yeah. YouTube clips together, make a blog. I mean, come on guys, that is so easy to do. Like do the hard work and have a, have a conversation with somebody like this, get on a call, sit down. But what, what would be better than this is if we were sitting down eating a steak together, I could do that right now. And, right. and then probably both of our eyes would be open. I think it's important for us to come to the table and reason together. Yes. And, and that's a big part of the problem in this, in this, 
you know, information age clickbait culture is we don't actually want to do that. Uh, a lot of the people that are making accusations, they don't want to have a conversation. Trust me, I've tried to have one with them. They it's don't. way easier to just throw stones and to right. make accusations and somehow they find virtue in it. And I just want to remind you guys that is not virtuous. You know, the, 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 thing, the thing that really takes courage is to sit down with somebody that you don't agree with, have a meal together, look in their eyes, and listen to their heart. And I'm telling you, we could go so much farther so in much. a spirit of unity if we did that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree 100%. 100%. I mean, what a great conversation. I really feel like the presence of God has met us here today. And, uh, you know, if you're listening today and you have questions uh, for Sean or Shane or myself, uh, you know, reach out to us, let us know. Uh, Sean, how can people get in touch with you on social media? How can they follow some of the things that you're doing? Yeah, they can go, well, they can go to seanfoyt.com. Um, my last name, F-E-U-C-H-T, it's German, it's weird, but seanfoyt.com. And you can find information about, you know, all my social media stuff and Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Instagram. But you can find out about a lot of our movements. Light a Candle is our missions movement. The Burn 24-7 is our worship and prayer movement. Uh, hold the line is a new kind of political uh, organization that we've created and we would love to engage with you and, and field your questions and, and connect with you at some point. Hopefully we'll be getting back out there a little bit once yes. this pandemic dies down and maybe we'll be in a city or a town near you. Yeah, it's not going to be as cool as the city I'm in, though, right? <laughs> the big orange one behind me. <laughs> Your background wins. Hey, and Shane, how, how can people find you, man? Well, I, I also just on the last comment, I know people are probably going to think, yeah, but you didn't ask him this question. Hey, guys, if, if this all this doesn't satisfy where the heart is at, I don't know what to tell you. Now, that's nitpicking now is when you start, <laughs> you know, what you what about this? I heard him in. You got it. You've got, you've heard the heart of it. I mean, I think, I think, you know, all these other little questions can be under this banner of everything we just talked about. Mine's easy. It's shaneidleman.com, shaneidleman.com and uh, articles. And our church website is westsidechristianfellowship.org, westsidechristianfellowship.org. By the way, Sean, I like that new political one you just started um, because you're keeping your voice going. Yes. And I think, I think there's a big mistake right now that, you know, we need to stay out of politics. Um, no. You might not take an interest in politics, but politics takes an interest in you. Everything that is happening right now is political. Yeah. All the lockdowns, the COVID, the everything we're dealing with is political. And we, and the church has to speak into a political environment. Absolutely. hundred percent agree. It's political. It's spiritual in nature, you know, a battle for the future of our country and our world and families and Christian values and liberties and freedoms. And so I just want to honor both of you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on the program today. And we really appreciate it. We're going to continue to pray and follow for both the ministries that you have. Thank you so much, Shane and Sean. Thank you guys. Thank you, Sean, too. Really appreciate it. All right. God bless you. And we'll be back with more of the Remy Podcast. what you've been through. God only knows what they say about you God only knows how it's killing you But there's a kind of love that God only knows God only knows what you've 